This is the Master Marketer Show, powered by Proofpoint Marketing. Each week, we explore the mindsets, skill sets, and tool sets the top B2B marketers use to drive results. Gain actionable insights, one masterful, revenue-generating success story at a time. Let's get started. Everybody, welcome back to the Master Marketer Show. We've got an exciting episode for you all today. We've got uh, Wynona Rajamohan today with us from SmartCar. She's the content marketing manager, and obviously we'll be talking about content. And specifically, uh, kind of set the stage a little bit, um, we're going to be talking about content repurposing. So really, what we often see is there's... You know, people are doing maybe webinars over here, they're doing their social over there, they're doing events separately, everything is kind of siloed, and they all sort of live as standalone assets, which is kind of a waste of resources, honestly. Uh, and I know you guys are doing some really cool things with webinars specifically, we'll focus some stuff there, but um, really it's how do we make the most out of, uh, out of the content that we create. So Wynonna, welcome to the show, and why don't, why don't we start there? Right. Thank you so much. Um, I'm super excited to to be here. But yeah, as you mentioned, content repurposing um, for us specifically, it's a very critical part of our content strategy um, in a way that when we think of content, we think of content being a machine that's pretty economical. You know, it's reusable. It's something that can always be whittled down into you know, a short form piece. It's something that can be expanded into a long form piece. Um, and when I create, you know, my, my blogs as well, or whether it's ebooks, white papers, you know, I always think about like, you know, is it webinar material? Is it something where, you know, I can talk about it and discuss about it on a webinar and have the audience engage and let me know their thoughts? Can we invite partners to talk about this specific topic as well? Um, I think that that's really the main driver, you know, how how great is it? You know, how interesting is it? Is it uh, conversation worthy? Um, I think that's something important to think about when you're writing anything, really. For I think sure. I love I love that mindset. And, and we're going to talk about mindset, skill sets, tool sets, results. And that's a great place for us to start right there. That that mindset that you have around content, because I think that oftentimes we just the collective we marketers out there in the world you know we think about oh my gosh we have to write this content put it out there and then go on to the next thing right and mm -hmm. and and we're kind of constantly feeding this content machine this content this very hungry content machine or monster that constantly needs new content and what we often forget and i know that i am guilty of this myself in my own content efforts on linkedin and just in general is is okay, well, you know what? We don't just have to write it and then forget about it and then move on to the next thing. We can write it, develop it, create it, and see how it can be, it can live on in multiple different ways, shapes, forms. So I absolutely love that mindset that you have around content. Mike, did you, you looked like you were gonna jump in and say something. I was gonna go to, you know, speaking of the content machine, obviously a machine needs an engine. So maybe talk about, you know, how do you think about what is your mindset around creating that content engine? Yeah, of course. Um, you know, as a content team of one, pretty much at the moment, writing for, you know, this niche, it's a it's very interesting niche. You know, we are a developer platform for um, for app developers creating, uh, you know, apps in the mobility space. So we're talking about like car sharing, um, EV demand response, uh, car rentals, auto insurance. Um, you know, it's a very interesting topic. It can get pretty technical as well. Um, and it's something that, you know, you can't focus on pumping out, you know, simple bare bones kind of content that targets high volume keywords because, you know, it's it's very specific. You want to reach the right audience here. Um, so ideally, if I target these high volume keywords, you know, the high intent traffic isn't exactly there. So when I think about content, I really create content that tells a story, our story. Everything has to tie into our overarching mission, which is, to empower developers in this space. Um, and, you know, I start by answering questions at all times, you know, what what do our audience need to know? Like, what do they need to know? Can I show them, you know, how people like them are solving hard problems using our software? You know, I found that personally with that approach, it becomes much more natural to kind of leverage SEO 
and tie that into, you know, the future webinar ideas. You're not grasping at straws to make a piece work. You're not grasping at straws to kind of tie it into a webinar a couple months down the line. Um, so I think just having a very intentional, big picture look at content right from the get-go um, when you're building your content calendar, when you're building your strategy, I think that's that's super important. That's the main thing that I focus on for sure. So webinars are obviously, it sounds like based on what you're describing, are at the at the center of everything you're talking. You know, you mentioned, um, you know, as you're creating a blog post or, or whatnot, you're even thinking, is this potentially webinar worthy? Is this something we can have a webinar around? Maybe talk about that a little bit more. Sort of. Uh, why are webinars at the center of everything? Yeah, I, I wouldn't say it's exactly um, the center, but you know, it is a great way to kind of get more engagement for for content. Um, you know, we have someone that's really awesome on the team who focuses on webinars, and I work very closely um, with her. So when I do come up with a content topic, you know, the webinar doesn't come immediately you know, immediately down the line, but it's something that I like to build up to, you know, one topic, like let's say EV charging, you can't cover EV charging in one single blog, you know? So when I built that, you know, that tree, so to say of like uh, blogs that are going to stem from that, you know, maybe there are three or four, you know, I kind of center that around a customer story, you know, a case study that really supports that and tells these different elements. Um, and then a couple months down the line, you know, we invite this customer for a webinar and then, support that customer with, you know, the different blogs that we've written that features their story, that features their success, that features their brand. Um, and that entices them to kind of come on board and, and be a part of it. So I think that's one really exciting thing um, that, that we've got to, that we've got to build, we've got to experience. Um, so yeah, I think, I think it all works hand in hand, you know, having that really close coordination, that really close communication with other members of the marketing team, um, and, you know, creating content that's, that lasts a long time, economical, tying it into that big picture, I think is really where, you know, it's, it's easy to forget when you're writing and when you're targeting keywords and stuff like that. So I think always having that, something else to keep you in check, someone else to keep you in check as well on the team. What we have often found, especially in very niche industries or, you know, organizations, is that the content marketer's job is to, yes, develop the content, put it out there, repurpose it, but most importantly, it's to work with your internal SMEs. And oftentimes, yes. uh, that, that, that also means maybe getting buy-in from exec team or, or you know, higher-ups to be able to get access to those SMEs that, that are working on, on whatever it is, you know, the, the product, mm -hmm. that the software, what have you. Um, what do you believe the mindset is that that you need to have as a market, you know, as a, as a content marketer, to be able to go internally to your team, get the buy-in, work with your yeah. colleagues that are that are maybe not marketers, maybe don't have a lot of understanding of content marketing, um, and that might come to you and say, "Well, gosh, Winona, I'm so busy, I don't have time for this article. Can you just can you just go figure this out?" You know, what is that mindset that you think? content marketers today need to have, especially in very niche industries? Yeah, no, I love that you brought that up. I think when it comes to niche industries, you know, it's important that the content marketer can't do everything by themselves. You know, they're not necessarily the expert in a, in a niche um, kind of space. So you have to depend on the internal SMEs, even external SMEs. You need to be able to kind of know what your your proposal is as you're asking for advice, as you're asking for, you know, quotes, as you're asking for guidance to write that piece of content, right? Um, and for me, I went to school for journalism. So when it comes to creating content, I'm guided by very, very journalistic principles where, you know, it's, it's not a story. It's not a strong story without evidence, without a source that you can speak to. And you kind of lose your reader if you're not giving them a strong lead within those first few lines. And they want to hear from someone that's an expert. That's your strong lead, right? Um, and so it needs to be hyper relevant. And so when I, I'm blessed that at, at Smart Car, you know, we do have a very sort of content focused approach where there is buy-in for content um, from the top down. You know, everyone is very um, focused on empowering developers through these stories and, you know, they learn by example. So when I go to, let's say someone on, someone on the engineering team or the customer success team, um, you know, with a topic that I have, um, at hand, you know, I make it very clear to, to be super organized, you know, to show them exactly what I'm trying to achieve 
with this piece of content, um, you know, show them why it's newsworthy, I guess, in, in journalistic terms. Um, and there are a few elements in the newsroom, which I think applies to content marketing um, when I do build my case for these kind of topics. Um, so showing how timely it is. Um, and that definitely helps them kind of see why why they need to prioritize this in the first place. Um, proximity is one thing that you talk about in the newsroom, and that's more for like location. But I guess in a content marketing stand, it's it's how close you are to something that you know your readers or their your customers are doing daily. Is it a daily routine? Is it a daily procedure? Is it a daily problem? Um, there's the importance and the impact that you kind of have to spell out for your internal and external SMEs as well. Does it matter enough to people? Or like how exactly does it relate to? You know the people that we're helping how exactly does it relate to the internal smes themselves how are we empowering them um, and then most importantly the human interest which i think is something that you know besides the content team everyone the marketing team executives i think everyone needs to have a collective kind of understanding of how human interest is so important in marketing stories and content marketing stories um, you know especially in b2b software you need to make it compelling with some sort of a humanizing element or else you're just kind of reading like a technical document at that point. Um, so I think that's something that I always try to spell out for, you know, any internal SME, any external source that I'm talking to, you know, how can I make it, you know, really exciting in a way where it's, it's not just like, you know, typical content marketing, you know, SEO kind of stuff. It's more, you know, it's, it's really a story that empowers the reader, empowers the employees, it empowers the people that you're inviting to kind of make your content better as well. Um, I think that that's an important way to look at it. You can see us nodding along because, you know, we've talked to a number of other uh, content marketing leaders before and pretty much across the board, the mindset that comes across that that's needed is this journalistic mindset that you described. Mm -hmm. um, you're the first one that sort of mentioned a couple of these things around proximity and human interest, which I think maybe is a good transition for us to talk mm -hmm. skill sets specifically in terms of... I before we um, do that, Mike, I do, I do have one other mindset question, if it's okay. <laughs> um, all right, mindset so before, question. We, before we go to skill set, um, one other mindset yeah. question, and and then we'll and then we'll move on to skill set. Um, I, I agree with Mike. I love some of these things that you're talking about in terms of journalistic mindset and how you're approaching your SMEs. You mentioned early on that. You know, you're very, you feel very blessed to work at Smart Car because you have a leadership team that is really bought into this idea of content marketing and empowering the team through relevant stories and, and storytelling. Um, oftentimes in the B2B space, maybe not so much in SaaS, but in other B2B industries, um, there is a lack of understanding around storytelling and the value that it can bring to marketing and, and even to sales at the, at the end of the day. Um, mm -hmm. and, and just content marketing in general is sort of seen as like, oh, well, we don't need to do that. We just need to, you know, we just need to focus on sales. We just need to focus on, yeah. on this, that, the other, what have you. Um, my question to you is, uh, you know, what of your, you know, pulling from the examples of your executive team, your leadership team, what do you believe the mindset uh, they have uh, that would be relevant to people in, you know, leaders in the B2B space when it comes to storytelling and taking a journalistic approach to content marketing? So what have you seen that, that others in the, in the B2B space can really benefit from in terms of mindset? Yeah, for sure. That's that's an interesting question. Um, and I think, you know, it's a mindset that it's very hard to be like, OK, like this is the mindset that you should have. But I think from a very big picture approach, um, I think a lot of B2B companies now are you know, realizing how difficult it is to get the engagement that they used to get, whether that's engagement on the blog, engagement on socials. Um, just overall conversations um, in online spaces. You know, everyone's trying to build a community as well. Um, and not all niches have that kind of, you know, very active community online. Um, so I think everyone's trying to find a way to sort of differentiate themselves. Um, and I think one narrative that's been coming out of that is, you know, that idea of being being relatable, you know, being some, being a company that's relatable, being a company that, 
you know, actually gives you direct information without kind of bringing you through a twist of like jargon and, you know, really over expensive, you know, written work, you know, like 10 page white papers to describe like a single topic, you know, that's not what B2B is anymore. Um, and I think storytelling is kind of, it's, it's a quicker way to explain something very expansive. You know, you're not just explaining how your product works. You're explain you're explaining the benefit. You're painting a picture of, you know, what customers have achieved. And at the same time, you know, you're grabbing their attention for more than five seconds, you know, so that they're not kind of jumping off the page. Um, and I think a lot of executives right now, like I'm seeing like on LinkedIn and on Twitter and things like that, people are starting to embrace that idea of, you know, storytelling as a very key form of marketing. And I think as a, as a content marketer, that's kind of where you need to drill the importance, I guess, if you get pushback on, you know, why should I invest on something that doesn't, you know, outright put a bunch of CTAs right from the get go? Why do I need to have my readers read this story? So to say, um, I think it's important to kind of show how, you know, maybe show, show them the proof. You know, for me, I've personally found that, you know, when I, when I can show them how, you know, traffic differs on something a little bit more exciting versus a little bit more of a bare bones blog or how the time on page differs or how the bounce rate differs, that's a great way to kind of ease them into the topic a little bit. Cause sometimes, you no know, pe people don't sort of believe you on the get go with storytelling. Um, but I think showing showing examples too is another important way. Showing examples of other executives who have sort of taken the same approach. Other companies examples I think are a content marketer's best friend because <laughs> there are so many great great ideas out there. Everyone's embracing content um, that I think now more than ever it's a little bit easier to make an argument to your boss as opposed to as opposed to how it was a, a couple years ago. Um, but yeah, that it's not an easy thing to do, I, I must say, which is why I feel like there needs to be some sort of element that's backed to results. You know, if you can't show expansive results right away, show them show them something smaller, you know, from a very from a very small level, like you said, time on page bounce rate, something tangible that they can that they can look at and sort of take that chance. So, yeah, we, so we'll show, generally show talk about proof. things like. Yeah, like the, we'll generally look at things like content consumption as at the very top level, right? Because that's a good proxy mm -hmm. for, hey, this is this is more likely to work at least. Yes, right. Because yes. if they're not if yeah. they're not consuming, then it really isn't having an impact. Like yeah. If all they do is come to the page and bounce, or come to the page and stay for ten seconds, or watch you know three seconds of the video, who cares? Versus, oh well, yeah. hey, we now we're telling stories and we're getting you know, 3x, 4x, 5x more consumption, whatever that is for the yeah. for the medium, that starts telling that story. Uh, you know, one thing that I think I, I want to dive into is we've mentioned, we, we said the word storytelling a, a bunch of times. And what I see happening out there, what my concern is when I, like storytelling has become almost like a buzzword. It's not <laughs> to you, obviously, from what we're talking about. So what I'd love to hear from you is like, what does storytelling in B2B, what, what does that mean to you? What, and maybe if you can provide some examples in terms of what does that look like? Because uh, what I see often is people thinking that storytelling really means one thing. All of a sudden, it's like everybody feels like they need to be funny as a brand. And it's like, oh, we have to create humor, humor content. It's like, well, no, that's not for everybody. So what does storytelling mean to you? And maybe provide some examples of how you've done it. Yeah, of course. Uh, I agree. Storytelling has become a little bit of a buzzword. I know when I was doing journalism, storytelling meant something completely different. And now that I'm in B2B, I hear it a lot more than I did like when I was in the journalism space. Um, but yeah, I agree that uh, I think there are many different ways to storytell, right? I think when it comes to like the humor and things like that, you see a lot of storytelling for, you know, storytelling about the brand itself. Um, I think that's something different. I think the storytelling that I really focus on is storytelling about the customer. And I guess for me, storytelling kind of goes hand in hand with just really good customer research. Because, um, you know, really good customer stories, I think that that's my our strongest form of storytelling. That's a storytelling that really lasts the most. It's the most economical. Um, like, it can be repurposed a lot more. It makes the most sense. You know, it's always going to be relevant, you know, six months down the line, you know, it's always going to be tied down to 
to your mission and what you can really offer people. Um, so that's where storytelling is kind of centered around for me. You know, how can I get the best story out of my customers? How can I make them feel comfortable? You know, if it's humor even, how can I impart humor in a way where, you know, it makes them comfortable to kind of share their anecdotes with me, share their funny stories about how they found our software and how they you know, made a couple mistakes down the, down the way, but now they're super familiar with how we work and now they're doing great things. Um, I think that's, that's what great stories are for me. Um, yeah, something that really shows how a problem is being solved. Um, and yeah, and I think that definition sometimes gets lost because like you said, everything's a story, right? So I think when a, when a content marketer says, you know, I want storytelling to be, you know, the kind of the pinnacle of our strategy here, uh, it's like, what kind of story? Like, who is the main character of your story and what kind of, what kind of fairy tale ending are you trying to get to there? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, you know, you, you mentioned that the definition of storytelling was maybe different when you were uh, in your journalism days than, than it is right now in B2B marketing. Talk a little bit about that. What's the, what are the maybe differences and similarities and where do you see, um, well, let's start there. What are the differences and similarities in, between those two? Yeah, I, I guess they're pretty similar. I feel like I feel like people in the B2B space say say storytelling just a lot more frequently. You know, I see, I feel like I see it a lot in, you know. Twitter threads and, you know, LinkedIn threads and all, all sorts of things. Um, storytelling, when I was, you know, writing for the school paper and doing all these journalistic projects, I think it was really a a process. It was a process of kind of figuring out, you know, how you can elevate, you know, the your sources in the story, how you can elevate your sources in the story and tie that into something that's important for the community. That's what a good story was for us. Um, and for me, when I did storytelling, I always thought about other supporting elements as well. You know, how does, how will it look like on the page? You know, if it was a print edition, you know, how can I take a picture of this event in a way that captures some of the quotes that I'm, that I'm talking about? How can I get the right quotes to make this story flow um, so that people keep reading this newspaper? Um, so I think that's when it comes to writing content, even though you're not, you know, taking, you're not necessarily, you know, taking a picture or, you know, on the field most of the time. Sometimes, you know, you're just stuck behind a Zoom call um, trying to get the most out of a 30 minute quick meeting with a customer and you're really trying to capture those quotes, but maybe they're not giving you those quotes, you know, that kind of thing. Um, so I think just being really resourceful in that way, um, I think that's what, what storytelling is, has always been, you know, and I try, I try to capture that as much as I can, even though, you know, it's it's a little bit different, but, you know, trying to be as resourceful as possible, trying to look at things from many different angles and not panicking if it doesn't work um, and being able to say like, okay, I'm wrong. I think I need to pivot from this initial story outline and do something a little bit different. Um, I think that's that's what it was in journalism and that's what content marketers should embrace a little bit more. Yeah, I, I, love, think, I think we're kind of coming... Answer. We're, we're just segueing we're, perfectly into skill sets, actually. Coming, right? coming full circle. <laughs> yes. Exactly. So the. I, so I was I was going to say, or sorry, Mike, let me, let me jump in here quickly. Um, mm -hmm. You know, we've talked a lot about storytelling, which I love because this is this is a first that we've a first of the topic that we've really dived into on this show. And, and you've provided us and our listeners with some really beautiful examples of what that is and what that should look like and, and, and how you should change your mindset if it isn't working. Um, we talked about storytelling, we talked about content repurposing. Um, so let's talk right now a little bit about the skill sets. You know, you've shared a lot about your journalistic background and how that has leveraged into B2B marketing, especially content marketing. I'd love to know a little bit more about what you believe are the skill sets necessary um, for the type of work that you do and more specifically, to the case study that you've been presenting us throughout this, throughout our journey here on the call. Yeah, definitely. I think the the first, I guess, the most important skill set. Um, I guess it it can be pretty vague, but for me, it's about getting customer research done right. Um, and when I say done right, you know, it's being very intentional with the questions that you're asking and really getting nitty gritty. You know, it's not just about what did you achieve with us? But being very, 
involved and interested in their entire story, you know, from the very get go, how did they think about the problem? You know, what was their mission going into this search for, you know, your software or your service? You know, what was their aha moment that led them to you? What was their aha moment on the sales call even that, you know, kind of made them be like, you know what, I want to, I want, I want this thing. I want to be a part of this journey. Um, I think that's a very important part of customer research. You know, it's not just about the, it's not just about, you know, what you're getting at the end, but it's the whole process. Cause you get lots of nice little bite-sized, you know, golden moments in, you know, a customer interview that you don't typically get at the end. These are just kind of very spontaneous moments that, you know, a customer sort of blurts out and then you kind of dive in deeper. So I think that's very important. Getting customer research done right by, you know, really setting a good amount of questions and being willing to, I guess, to ask questions along along the way as well, you know, to stray a little bit from your initial template even um, and ask questions that are, you know, very humanizing, that are, you know, not so scripted, you know, a little bit focused more on the on the meat of the topic. I think that's a great way to do that. Um, so at my at my previous company as well as a recruitment software company, so I built the content and webinar program there. Um, and at some point, I ended up managing community as well because they were a very like important part of our content development efforts. Um, and these were like a community of customers and early users who had a lot of experience in the industry. Um, and so that's where I really learned how to get these questions done right. Right? If I'm on like calls every single day, you know. You can't just use the same set of questions constantly and expect the, the results to be really great. Um, so I think my biggest weapon at that point was, you know, relationship building with these customers, um, asking for permission to use these great quotes and anecdotes, not just for this particular case study, but other content as well, giving them credit for it, showcasing them as a subject matter expert. Um, so in that case, like after one single customer interview, like I'm not just completing one case study. I've got something valuable that can inform the next five pieces of content. Um, and when I need help down the future, some expert insight, I can easily reach back out to these people and get even more proof, like if they have the time to sit down with me for an extra five minutes. Um, so I think that's that's a really important skill, knowing how to interview, um, knowing how to ask the right questions, knowing how to be a good listener too, so that people can give you um, give you what you what you need for your story. So you, you talked earlier about um, you know proximity and human interest, and you just talked about uh, you mentioned asking you know humanizing questions. Um, maybe talk a little bit more about that. Like what does what does that look like? And maybe I don't know if you can give some examples of the types of questions you ask to make that happen. Yeah, sure. Let me let me try to recall a little bit. Uh, so the questions that you know that I like to ask, you know, it typically focuses on, you know, like I mentioned, you know, what was that aha moment, right? Or I like to start off with, you know, what is your mission? Like, what is, what's your mission? What did you get into this industry trying to do? What were you trying to do? Um, and what was that missing link? You know, what was that missing link in, you know, in the process of you trying to reach this mission? You know, what was, and how did, you know, that sort of question lead to finding us? I like to hear also about just their whole journey of how they found this found us in the first place, you know, was, of course, what channel did they use? But more importantly, what was the driving factors that really made them realize that, like, okay, like, I do want to schedule this meeting. Um, you know, not just a very, um, I like to tap into, like, kind of the emotions of that as well. You know, was it something urgent? Like, why did they feel that urgency to kind of book that meeting? Um, and then when they found us, you know, what exactly were the drivers that made them realize that, okay, like, this is something that I want to invest in. And sometimes you realize it's not necessarily like, okay, the, the product fits exactly what I'm looking for. Sometimes it's the team, you know, it's the team that felt welcoming, you know, sometimes it's the, the patience that the team shows throughout the sales cycle as well. It's very important things that you can, you can sort of dive into a little bit. Um, and it helps you understand the customer a lot more um, in that in that niche as well. You might realize that you know maybe customers in this industry need a longer need a longer sales cycle. They need longer time to be convinced, um, and, and that helps you kind of articulate the next few questions. Um, those those are some of my few favorites. Um, I I tend to come up with questions a lot on the whim as well, just because customers give uh, so many good little nuggets of information. Um, but I hope that answers the question a little bit. I hope that was a little specific enough. Yeah, no, that was that was good. Um, 
I'd love to hear you describe your process in terms of how do you connect the dots between, you know, topic selection and customer research and um, case study creation and then webinars? Like, the, mm-hmm. if you can paint that picture for us. Yeah, um, I'm a big system person. So I, I like to create systems that really keep me organized. Um, so I have a bunch of for me, I like to keep it simple and use a bunch of docs that really outline my thought process from A to Z. Um, and I think, you know, content that's economical, content that, you know, can last a long amount of time, it needs clear motivations, you know, a strategy that really has purpose and the right intentions, whether, you know, the creation of your briefs from the way you plan distribution, how you measure success, how you revisit blogs for internal linking and technical SEO refreshments. Um, there needs to be a system and it's really for your own sanity <laughs> so that when you do want to repurpose something, you know exactly what you're going to leverage, you know, what angles have already been used um, what angles you need to tap into, the best channels to use, the improvements you need to make. Um, it can be something as simple as a giant spreadsheet that lists down, you know, all the content that you've already created, what categories they're in, you know, what, you know, stage of the funnel, if you're kind of, you know, using that as a measure of how to repurpose content. Um, and I like to put little notes into each piece of my content as well in terms of like what's been covered, what hasn't been covered. Um, And, you know, from the get-go, when I create something, like I mentioned, you know, I always think first, you know, what are the distribution channels that can be used for for content? Not at the end, but at the very beginning, right? And that kind of gives me an idea of what I can tap into a couple months down the line when it's time to revisit this topic again. Um, Yeah, good hack for me is just always categorizing everything, too. Like, I have a category for pretty much pretty much everything uh lots of lots of little like colors and and tabs in this in this giant google spreadsheet um but yeah creating a system i think that that's the most important because it's a lot of moving pieces i think people tend to forget how how many moving pieces there are in a content machine it really is a machine there's a lot of different parts to fuel um and when you kind of if you can't kind of be organized and answer your own questions yourself then no one else is really going to have the insight to answer those questions for you. Um, And I learned that the hard way. So So you mentioned you have a lot of categories. Like what are, how do you categorize your content? What do you use? Like what does your matrix look like? Let's just say. Yeah. So I have the basics, you know, I have the, the content type um, of course. um, And then I like to do little, I guess I use a little like dollar, a little dollar sign. So I have like a $1 sign, a $2 sign, kind of like Yelp in a way. Um, but <laughs> I, yeah, I kind of put that to each of my content pieces to kind of just to kind of see what has the most potential to be repurposed. Now, some topics are not as, you know, not as extensive as others. Um, so, you know, so maybe there's something very simple, maybe a short little update or something like that, that gets a $1 sign. Um, And then, you know, I may not have the bandwidth to expand into something into like a huge three set guide at this point in time, but it may be timely for something right now. Um, Like I just wrote a piece about uh, electricity blackouts because it's summer and that has a lot to do with EV charging demand response. Um, So that has a three dollar sign because that's a topic that will continuously grow. Um, And so I put that in there because I know a couple months down the line, I do want to check how blackouts have gone in the summer. Um, two months from now, and maybe there's a little update that I can that can add into that report. Um, so that's my my little hack. Um, and then I also have categories for you know have I done internal linking for this or not? So internal linking, yes, no, things like that. Um, and also you know I have a tag for you know can this be is this something that I should reach out to a customer to? Um, is there a customer that I can turn that I can turn to to kind of develop this into a more specific case study? about a particular problem that's been covered in this blog. Um, so yeah, lots lots of little things like that. Um, yeah. I love these tips and I love the dollar sign. I've never, that is something that I've never heard of or seen myself. I, I come from a content marketing background, um, although it's been quite a few years since I've <laughs> executed a content plan at this point, uh, running running an agency. so. So I love that. That's brilliant. Uh, and it's so clever and just so, um, you know, easy to, to see, right? I mean, $1 yeah. sign means like, hey, one and done. We did this topic. There's really not a lot of legs on here. We're not going to mm-hmm. take this further. 
you you know you're my cheapy one dollar <laughs> but like two dollars three dollars four dollars means wow okay we really need to revisit there's a lot of legs here there's a lot of opportunity yeah. for us to do a lot more things whether it's repurposing into a video testimonial or a customer testimonial or a case study you know and and vice versa um bottom line let's let's round out this discussion on skill sets because you've shared so much so many valuable details here but speaking directly to let's say you're speaking directly to your a counterpart in content marketing or even let's say um a, a, a leader in another company what do you believe are the most important skill sets that content marketers need to have today? Mm-hmm. Yeah, that that's a very big question. I think um, when it comes to that, I think of two things. Um, there's, you know, ideation, having really good ideas. That's a very important thing. Um, and another one is distribution, which I think is probably the, the toughest thing in content marketing at the moment. Um, and when it comes to ideation, um, I think... It's not just about having good ideas. It's being about being really resourceful with your ideas as well. Because um, a good story isn't going to fall into your lap, right? And it's not always going to be given to you by a keyword research tool. That's a guide. Um, content that can be repurposed is content that's really interesting. And it ties into your big picture and in, in, it's in your mission. Um, and those stories really need to be found. Like you need to carve out some time each each and every week to really look for those you know, golden nuggets. Um, you have to really dig for it in, you know, sales conversations, internal communication channels, ask internal experts and take notes, even when you're on like a 15 minute call with them, just have your notebook there. Reach out to external experts, you know, those in your network. Um, and even those who are completely unaware of who you are, that's an opportunity to always learn something new and question your own outline. Um, and being resourceful in terms of testing how strong your content brief is, testing how strong your outline is. Um, I mentioned this earlier, not being afraid to change your initial stance, um, you know, and being able to walk away from a story that is not going to work, um, even though you've put a lot of thought into that outline. You know, sometimes things change. Um, you know, it has to really be focused on the business goal at the end of it. And sometimes that great idea may not be relevant to the business goal of this week, of this month, you know, it's very, it's very, uh, it's very fluid and your content, uh, your content calendar needs to be fluid as well. So being resourceful, having that swipe file of ideas, having that swipe file of, you know, important points that were talked about during meetings, syncs, you know, standups, things like that. That's very important. Um, and the other thing, um, is distribution. I think, um, a lot of content marketers have talked about distribution, um, but I think it's something that should be echoed time, time and time again, right? I think we're all trying to figure it out in this landscape. Um, but right from the get-go, you know, optimizing for the channel you want to distribute in before you even get started. Um, it makes it easier to tie value in a way that's relevant to your audience when you're crafting that email pitch or that newsletter copy or that social copy. Um, you know, you, you need to have a hook, line, and sinker for each of those right from the get-go. Um, so like what we did with that case study, you know, I knew there was big potential for it to be spun off in a lot of different directions. You know, there were a lot of anecdotes that I could highlight in other blogs. Um, so I made note of that right at the top of my, at my of my content brief, you know, I, ways to turn the webinar highlights into social media snippets and drive traffic back to that case study two months later so that it's con consistently giving you traffic. Um, I think being able to pull the pieces together like that and making note of it because lots of good ideas just pop up as you're writing, right? Um, just making that doc really be your safe space for all your ideas um, and keeping it, you know, very focused on each and every project. Um, that's, that's always a great skill to have. So just to paraphrase what you're saying. So really it's, it's having that journalistic mind, mind, mindset, uh, being a good detective, being mm -hmm. organized, Yes. Um, you know, having a system to categorize and, and systematize your content and 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 then also really being a good listener because you mm -hmm. have to be able to listen to just about every stakeholder in and outside the organization to really find yes. that golden nugget. Um, and it's being a pirate also, right? Not being afraid to keep going and finding and digging and taking your map out and and if this direction didn't work then we got to go in a different direction or maybe take a yeah. little boat or take a swim or whatever it is right to get to that to that golden treasure i love that you've shared some really really awesome insight into 
the mind, the mindset and the skill set of being a modern content marketer today. Um, let's speaking move- of being a pirate, you mentioned swipe file. I love file. that analogy. I <laughs> <laughs> that now, content pirate. Yes. Um, um, you mentioned swipe file. Obviously, there's tools for that. And like, what what are the tools that you use on a on a daily basis to to make your you know team of one content machine work? Um, so yeah, you mentioned swipe file. A lot of my uh, my swipe file is pretty much in Notion. Um, so I have Notion for that just because it's you know it's nice to kind of put the emojis and the and the images in there in a in a place that's really neat. Um, but you know, big Notion fan. That's where I have a lot of my strategy docs in there as well, where I like to draft things out. Um, so I use Notion more as a drafting tool, and then I move things over to Google Docs, where I kind of share it with the rest of the team. Um, in terms of other tools, you know, there's, you know, the usual Google Analytics, Google Search Console, um, big, big ones that I am always in and out of on a daily basis, sometimes hourly. I'm trying to not check it as much, but, you know, bad habit. Um, I am a big Canva person. Um, I think, you know, as a, as a content team of one, you know, thinking of distribution and being in charge of distribution um, we're in an age where, you know, people need visuals, people need visuals in the blog, people need visuals on social media. Um, so I like really, I spend a lot of time in Canva too, just trying to figure out interesting ways to make great designs. Because, um, you know, sometimes you can't just depend on the, your in-house designer consistently, you know, they have other things to do as well. And you really don't want to you don't want any bottlenecks, you know, just for a social media image. So kind of having that skill set on your own. I like making GIFs on Canva. Um, I think that those are really fun. Um, Ooh, and those... You're going to have to teach me how to do that. That's yeah. cool. <laughs> yes, I, I make a lot of GIFs on Canva for, for everyone. I feel like I've become like the, the GIF person in the company too, just because awesome. I make GIFs so quickly. Um, but yeah, like just for just to promote case studies, even I like doing GIFs of like screenshots of our, of our customers apps and things like that. That always drives a lot more engagement. Um, I use SparkToro um, a little bit here and there, especially when I'm doing pitches um, to newsletters and pitches to, to publications and podcasts and things like that. Or I use SparkToro when I'm trying to get subject matter experts um, for for like pieces that I'm writing on. Um, so those that's always really fun. Um, and then I use a research tool called Heyday. It's a Chrome extension. Um, and because I'm doing a lot of research on a lot of different areas, you know, the car sharing and EV charging, it's very hard to kind of ca- categorize all that in Notion sometimes. It's a lot. Um, so I have Heyday to kind of remember all my research for me. So it's a tool where you, you kind of type it out. Um, if you type something in Google called like, car sharing, for example, it actually pulls up all the recent car sharing articles that you've read um, if you search for the exact same thing before, which is, you know, as a content marketer that's always in and out of research, sometimes I, I forget that I've researched something like an hour ago and I'm typing in the same the same exact keyword a couple hours later to look for that article. So this kind of helps me remember everything that I've read, you know, and I can categorize things into to different categories and like highlights and folders and stuff. So it's been a really cool tool to use. That that is clever. I've not heard of that one before. And I didn't either, I, but I just looked it up in bookmark. Yeah. <laughs> I I wish we I wish they had something like that for LinkedIn because I see like I was just oh, trying to yes. search for a post today that I had commented on, you know, maybe months mm-hmm. ago and I was like, Oh my god, this post is exactly what I wanna share with my team about something that we were talking about and I cannot find it for the life of me and it's driving me crazy, but that is a super slick tool and one that I have not heard of. So thank you for sharing that with us. Yeah, That's cool. awesome. Well, we've talked mindsets. We've talked skill sets. We've definitely talked tool sets. Now it's time to talk results. So Winona, tell us a little bit about we early on in the very beginning of the conversation, we talked about your case study, which was... Um, a, a customer story that you then repurposed into a webinar. So tell us, what were some of the results? What did you learn? What were your metrics for success? Um, and what did it generate? Uh, leads, closed one deals, pipeline. Tell us a little bit about about that experience that you went that that you shared with us from the beginning. Yeah, happy to share some sort of uh, some sort of high level results on that. So. 
um, you know, like we mentioned, content kind of elevates a lot of the other elements on the website. You know, that webinar did really well and we were able to kind of create a really strong promotion plan for that webinar because there was a case study already talking about this specific customer. Um, so we kind of like built a little sequence of, you know, it starts off with this case study. You know, we're going to talk more about this at this upcoming webinar that's coming up next month. We had a lot more ammo for our um, for our email blasts as well, because there was no, it wasn't just like a company name. You know, there was actual content to kind of back up who this company was and what exactly they were doing. Um, and it became, you know, a really big webinar, our biggest webinar um, at that point to date. Um, and, you know, we were driving, you know, traffic increased for sure, but we we're also driving a lot of traffic to our key product pages from that from that case study. Um, you know, equipping our nurture journeys with, you know, a really with really powerful content and a lot of the industry specific journeys as well. So that was really great. Um, and, you know, that case study in particular per is performing, you know, 50% better than than all the other ones because we have a system for, you know, internal linking and webinar repurposing. And we've noticed a big loop of traffic, really, case study to uh, webinar recap, back to case study, you know, back to this, back to that. So that's been that's been really amazing to see. Um, and I think it's a real testament to that idea of, you know, really having that big that big picture. Um, and that, that it pays off in the long run. You know, it may not be, like I said, a webinar today or tomorrow, but, you know, it's something that that can really be developed into something bigger in the future. So that that gave us a lot of lessons in terms of how to how to think about these big topics as well. And were you able to connect any of uh, any of this to uh, your pipeline data? Yeah, um, yeah, not not able to kind of share share that, so to say. Um, but yeah, 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 yeah. Uh, but for sure, we had a lot of great conversations um, with really high intent people from that webinar. Um, I think it was the most that we had ever seen. Um, you know, we had. I think it was really amazing to see how much you know how much context we were able to give throughout that um, throughout the event promotion period and in the event itself. Um, you know, and since we're able to kind of give sort of collateral, you know, at the end of the webinar as well, in the form of this case study, um, we saw a lot of people really respond to the the post email, uh, the post webinar journeys as well. Um, and yeah, got, got some great meetings booked, which is which is always amazing, you know, to really see, to really see that uh, kind of payoff. So yeah. yeah well, so and I love, that your... we, I love that you called it high intent conversations, because I think that's, you know, we talk about high intent traffic, high intent leads, etc. But the um, those high intent conversations, I think it's it's a good way to describe what we're trying to achieve, at least at the at the front end, if you will, of pipeline. Yeah, and, and that's something that's a little bit like it's it's measurable. You know, con the content journey, the buying journey, is so all over the place today. You know, it's very hard to kind of track. You know, what who who went where, who came in where, who came out where, but you can measure a good conversation qualitatively, um, and I think that's where that's where a content marketer can really sort of build your business case for an executive and be like, I, I gave you great support for this really good conversation. Um, I gave you context for this conversation. And I think that that's an awesome thing to, to leverage. Wow. Amazing. So in, in uh, Yelp reviews system, <laughs> your dollar sign, what was the dollar sign assigned to that to to the topic of uh, of the the case study in the webinar that you did? Was that like a two dollar, a three dollar um, piece of content? Yeah, that was an interesting one. So I did that that case study, you know, a couple months after joining Smart Car. Um, so you know, initially I had like a, a two dollar sign for it, and I think as we got into this year. Um, you know, as I kind of saw the the response to this case study, I kind of amped that up to to a three dollar sign. So <laughs> awesome. So, so yeah, I mean, it's um, it's still ongoing. Like you know, I think every now and then my swipe file is still getting filled with ideas. You know, to really elevate this particular story, this particular customer, um, and you know, it's it's amazing because you know it does great stuff. For them too like we want more people to know all the amazing things they're doing and what their mission is because it's amazing um so yeah i think you know maybe four dollar signs in the future we'll see <laughs> it's good to stay conservative in the beginning you know and see where it goes yeah 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 <laughs> awesome i love it um well i think it's time for the lightning round what do you say mike 
Go for it. Let's do it. All right. Ready for the lightning round, Winona? I think so. Okay. (laughs) All right. Um, I've got a series of questions and then at the end. So nothing that you need to prepare for ahead of time. Just whatever comes to mind. Uh, First question is, what is the main KPI you use to evaluate marketing success? Main KPI. Um, Yeah, that's a big one. Um, Main KPI. I I think I've mentioned this before, but, you know, the high intent conversations is something that really, really pops up a lot, like in our marketing team. Um, You know, I think that's something that it's. It's easy for us to measure at this point as well, um, you know, as a, as a smaller team and as our company is starting to grow. So I, I would say that that's a great, great measure for the work that we're trying to do in terms of creating these stories and, and stuff like that. High intent conversation. I love that. Um, what's something new you're looking forward to testing out this year? Yeah, um, so can't can't spill all the details yet, but I guess you could keep a lookout. Um, Yes, yeah, so I'm really trying to experiment with a lot more journalistic content, um, some novelty content um, here and there that are really, you know, experimenting with different formats on the blog, really trying to build a little bit more of a media approach, um, you know, which will be interesting for our niche. Uh, so, yeah, just trying to see how that goes. Um, have a lot of cool projects uh, stored up that I'm that I'm trying to dive into. Cool. What's a marketing best practice that you actually wish would disappear Ooh, that's a, that's a big question um <laughs> that's a very big question i mean i don't know okay I'm, I'm not gonna like outright say that i wish it would disappear i think it's it's a very common kind of statement i think it's just an i uh, best practice that needs to be approached with caution so no it's the it's the whole gating gating content thing um i think there's 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 a time and place for sure, but I've definitely been in a position where you know, a lot of my content has been kind of stifled because of because of the form. Mm-hmm. A lot a lot of content doesn't reach its true potential because of the form and where we're at today. So I think yeah, I don't want it to disappear because I know there are companies that you know there's a time and place, but I think it needs to be approached with more caution, and I think. Uh, the the form isn't always the right answer. I think that that's a good way to put it. I like that answer, and I think one skill set that you have that you didn't share is just how diplomatic you are in your approach to content. <laughs> that's a really valuable skill to have is to be a diplomat in terms mm-hmm. of how you approach uh, different different things. So mm-hmm. that there's another skill to add to your <laughs> to add to your list. Um, what is your least favorite business word or phrase? Oh, I don't know if it's a business phrase in particular. It's a phrase that I've gotten a lot um, in pre- in, a, in previous experiences. I was just talking about this with, with my manager um, a couple hours ago too, but um, it's just a very vague statement. It's, you know, take this, take your campaign to the next level. I think it's one of those things where it's like, like, what is the next level? Like, can you give me a little <laughs> bit more insight on what I can do? You know, it's kind of like how designers don't like hearing, you know, make it pop, right? I think that's, it's it's the same thing. Um, yeah, next level. Not a, not a <laughs> phrase I like to hear very often. <laughs> yeah. I'm laughing because I, I, I often talk to our designer like, oh, can you make this bolder? Can you make this, <laughs> you know, and I'm like, oh, God, I'm doing the thing that I shouldn't no. be doing. <laughs> I, I used to do the same thing, too. Yeah, yeah. I learned it the hard way. I got like a, I, I got a little stare and I was like, I'm so sorry. <laughs> <laughs> I know it's it's it is true. That is very vague feedback to a creative and to a writer. It's like, mm-hmm. okay, what does? That yeah. Um. All right. Next question here. What is your favorite business or marketing book? Oh yeah, my favorite book. Google um, framework. Um, so yeah, you can search that search that up on Amazon. Um, it's a really great book. I think for me, it really opened my eyes on. Um, it's like a whole matrix of creating ideas, generating ideas. And it's not just, you know, typical long form blog ideas. It goes, you know, from infographics to data tables to, you know, research reports. Um, it's a it's a really awesome book that, you know, I always keep like on my work desktop, kind of that file. I've kind of broken that book 
but when I'm lost at all points, I kind of pull it up and um, I know exactly what what to do and how to think about a problem. Awesome. Um, all right, bonus questions. Favorite song or playlist to listen to at work? Ooh, at work. Um, yeah, now I don't know if it's I don't I forgot the name of the playlist specifically, um, but I have. Okay, so I've created a playlist called Fresh Pages on my spot. Compilation of different like lo-fi, like lo-fi music, but I specifically like lo-fi music that can be played like in a Tokyo cafe. That's what I search on Spotify, Tokyo cafe. Um, So yeah, I've compiled a lot of that um, into my own little playlists and, you know, kind of jazzy, very light uh, lo-fi music Um, that really helps me get into deep work. I like that. I, I, I tend to listen to a lot of like bossa nova music and then also like new age bossa nova, which is kind of like lo-fi and, t- you know, more like Parisian cafe, not exactly Tokyo cafe, but I'll, yeah. I'll, I'll make note of that. I need, I need more songs for my, for my playlist. Anyway. For your playlist. <laughs> awesome. Um, what is something your LinkedIn network doesn't know about you just yet? Ooh, just yet. Um, I don't know if I'll, I'll post about it on LinkedIn even, but um, yeah, I'm it's very basic. But I think to anyone who knows me, uh, I think I've kept it under the wraps, but I am a big like plant mom now, like a very big plant mom. Um, and I think it's kind of informed my my whole entire like life philosophy, even how I approach content and things like that. Like I'm very careful and very like a lot more process driven just because I have all these plans that I'm trying to keep alive at the moment. Um, and I, it's surprising just because I've always said no to plants because I've always kind of, they've always died in my hand. You know, ever since I, now ever since the past like one year, I suddenly got a bunch of green fingers um, and all my plants are alive. So, yeah, that that's something, that you know, maybe a, in a couple of months, I might have so many that I, I will start posting about it on LinkedIn. <laughs> I mean, that, that was a huge trend during the pandemic. Uh, I think right. it yeah. was, uh, I can't remember, it was either Trends, I think, that posted about it, that the trend, uh, yeah, the trends yeah. I got into it after, after, because like, um, when it started, I was like, oh, I will never be able to do this. And then when things opened up, I was like, you know, I kind of want to stay at home. I should, I should get a plan. (laughs) (laughs) That is funny. Well, we'll have to exchange plant notes. I, I am also a low key plant mom. Um, We just moved cross country. So unfortunately I could not bring all my plants with me. I had to rehome them. Um, But I did just buy all new plants and I, and I almost killed one of them, but I learned how to take care of it. It's a new, it was a new plan for me, one that I had never taken care of before. So we'll exchange some notes. Yeah. Um, and I read on your bio that you are a published novelist or you're working yes. on a novel. Is that correct? Yeah, I'm a published, uh, published fiction author. So I am, it's funny cause I, I write a lot in my day to day. Right. And so when I'm not writing for work, um, I go complete fiction, you know, since I, um, so the year I graduated college, I ticked off something on my bucket list and I published a fiction novel and it's out on Amazon. Um, you know, I would love to have time to write a second book. Don't really have that at the moment, but you know, it's it's definitely something something up there. Um, so yeah, that's something that's very displayed on my LinkedIn um, or else I would have put that as uh, the answer for the <laughs> <laugh>. <laughs> what, uh What's the name of your of your book and what is it about? Yeah, so my book is called I'm Chasing Myself. Um, so I wrote this toward the end of, um, you know, my my college years. So it's really a book talking about, um, you know, finding yourself when you're in that, you know, when you're in that youth kind of stage. Um, I'm from Malaysia originally. I moved here for school and now, you know, I've sort of uprooted my life and I'm here for the long haul. Um, so I think there there's a lot of, you know, homesickness, loneliness kind of involved in that big transition. Um, so I, I wrote a little bit about that um, and, you know, really, really focused on kind of tying that into a more fiction setting that kind of described Malaysia a little bit and the kind of environments that I grew up with. Awesome. Awesome. Very cool. Winona, thank you so much for joining us on the Master Marketer Show. Um, if our listeners want to get in touch with you, what's the best way for them to reach out to you? 
Yeah, so you can connect with me on LinkedIn. Um, I'm not as active on Twitter, but you can find me on Twitter. I do retweets. I don't. I'm, I'm trying to be a little bit more active. Um, so yeah, uh, those those two would be the best. Awesome. And if anyone wants to purchase your book, they can do so on Amazon, right? Yes. Yes. And, it, and it's called <laughs> we'll, we'll include it? a link. Finding Myself or Chasing, I'm chasing myself. myself. I'm yes. Chasing Myself. Awesome. Awesome. Winona, thank you so much. It was such a pleasure to have you on the show. I learned so much uh, about the world of uh, uh, of content marketing that has changed so dramatically, especially over the past couple of years. And you're a shining example of content marketing and content marketers doing it the right way. So thank you for sharing your mindset, skill sets, and tool sets with us. Thank you for having me. Um, this, this was amazing. Thank you so much. Thanks for joining us on another episode of The Master Marketer Show. We'll be back next week with more B2B marketing success stories. Visit our website, www.proofpoint.marketing, for the full episode library complete with show notes, guides, templates, and more. Make sure to follow Proofpoint Marketing on LinkedIn and YouTube so you never miss an episode. Listen every Wednesday wherever you get your podcasts. Until next time.